DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Patrick Stevens. He writes for the Washington Post. He covers college sports. The NCAA tournament. March Madness is upon us. You have brackets to fill out, and Patrick is here with sage advice. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. I've loved March Madness since I was a kid. I have filled out brackets since I was probably in junior high. But there is so much basketball on TV. we got to watch the NBA. we got to watch the Jazz. we got to watch the other top teams in the West. And we got BYU, Utah, and Utah State to watch. I can't possibly follow these other conferences in the detail you need to know what you're talking about when it comes time to fill out a bracket. There aren't enough hours in the day. Are there enough hours in the day to you, for you to follow how many college teams and conferences? <laughs> there, there, there are enough. Uh, thankfully, uh, thankfully, being, being stuck at home here for the last year or so has kind of allowed me to alter my schedule a little bit. And, I'll tell you what, I watched a ton of Mountain West basketball this season because the way the schedule worked out, I feel like one of those four good teams, whether it was San Diego State, Utah State, Colorado State, uh, or uh, or Boise State, was on TV seemingly every night. So plenty familiar uh, with those teams in particular and, and obviously seen a lot of other uh, throughout, the, throughout this past season. All right, I think that Cato is an NBA player. And they've got a nice uh, collection of role players for the Aggies uh, as far as that goes. And Craig Smith is a dynamic coach. But with that in mind, what do you think about them being able to win a game? Because it's been a while. It has been a while. And, and you know, I, I, I look at that matchup. And Texas Tech is, is one of those teams that is it, – it's been up and down uh, for sure. Like, it seems like they, they can never – if they get one, they're going to get two or three probably – uh, but it's just as possible that they, they get bounced in the first round. Uh, you know, Mac McClung, the Georgetown transfer, uh, is kind of a dynamite presence for them. Uh, and as for Utah State, like you say, Kate has uh, had a great season, and they play fantastic defense. I mean, this game, frankly, has the potential to be one of those 58-57, uh, grinded-out, low-possession type games. I think it's really one of the, one of the true toss-ups in the first round. Uh, but it would not surprise me at all uh, if the Aggies are able to pull that one off and, and make it out of the first round for the first time since 2001. So interesting about Texas Tech being up and down, because this is the kind of thing that I, I just can't tell you. I haven't seen enough. The Big 12 and the Big 10, you know, their fan bases can argue about who's the best conference, but both those conferences are pretty deep, and they better be if these teams are going anywhere. Texas Tech – tied for sixth in their league. Michigan State's ninth in their league. Now, are they down there because they are up and down, or are those leagues legitimate, re- legitimately really deep? And these teams are tested every night, and there are no off games for these teams. Well, I, I think it's, it, it's a stretch to say there's no off games in the Big 12 or the Big 10. In the, in the Big 12, you've got an Iowa State team that went 2-21 and 21 and went 0 for the league. You've got Kansas State which I think won four conference games and struggled. Uh, and you look at a team like a, like a Texas Tech that went 9-8 and eight in the conference while well, it swept Iowa State and it swept Kansas State, and there you go. We've just accounted for almost half of those conference victories. So, uh, you know, I think some of the teams at the top of the Big 12 are, are really exceptional. Baylor, 
Uh, Kansas played well down the stretch. Oklahoma State uh, and Texas for sure. And West Virginia, a, a better version, I think, of Texas Tech being up and down. Over in the Big Ten, I think in the Michigan State case, it's, it's kind of a, a situation where they just weren't very good for a month or so. And, the, and their offense wasn't right at all. Uh, you look back at February 2nd, they were 8-7. and seven. They've had a pause of a couple weeks. Uh, and since then, they've played exceptionally well. So, yeah, they're, what, 9-11 and 11 or so in the league. Uh, but they were 2-7 and seven at one point, and since then they've beaten Illinois and Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, and they're a much better team, I think, right now than they are in aggregate for the season. Uh, I'll also say that those top four or five teams in the Big Ten are really, really strong uh, and will all have a chance to make multi-round runs here uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. So with that being said about the Spartans, then I assume you've got them advancing in the what we call as the play-in game traditionally and playing BYU. Yeah, I, I like Michigan State a lot more than I do a UCLA team that has, has sputtered down the stretch. I think it's four losses in a row for them. Uh, and not the bad teams, all four teams that are uh, in the tournament, uh, Colorado, Oregon, USC, and Oregon State, but, but they're a team that just hasn't really accomplished a whole lot when you look at their their overall set of accomplishments, they beat Colorado at home, they swept Arizona, and there's not a whole lot else there. They're, they're really a, a, a team that's hard to figure. I think Michigan State gets through uh, and then starts to put the Tom Izzo rule to the test. You look back at Izzo's record at, at the, in the second game at a site in the NCAA tournament, you might get two of those here this weekend potentially. Uh, that's a, that's going to be a tough haul for the Cougars, but I do ha- happen to think that BYU – especially given how well it played in that first half against Gonzaga and how it largely avoided any sort of missteps throughout the season. Uh, that, that, that's a team I think is going to be a really tough out as well. I think a BYU-Michigan State game would be one of the best second rounds, or best, I guess that's technically first round, uh, but would be one of, along with that Utah State-Texas Tech matchup, would be one of the better games. You guys are kind of lucky out there having, having a couple of those really high-end matchups in the first round. Patrick Stevens joining us. He writes for the Washington Post. He is paid to watch college basketball. Good gig. So I'm curious, when you're watching all the late-night games from the Mountain West, I assume you watch a lot of late-night Pac-12, and they got five teams in, which is good, certainly better than they've done in some previous years, but how many of those can get to the Sweet 16? None of them are seated to get there. UCLA and Oregon State, I don't think anyone expects to see them in the Sweet 16, but the other three teams, you know, if you're in that, you know, five, six, seven range, you might make it. Are you penciling anybody in to get there? Yeah, I, I think if there's somebody that I like to be able to, to do some damage, it might be Colorado um, out of the whole bunch, although a potential second-round game against Florida State's a little scary. Uh, the Seminoles basically have a – it feels like they have a, a, a roulette wheel that they spin every game, and which of these – 13 or 14 players is going to pop up and score 14 points in a game. Uh, you really don't know with them. Uh, I, I do think it could be a, a first weekend wipeout for the Pac-12. Like you say, Oregon State 12 seed. Don't think uh, too much of UCLA. USC's the wild card. I mean, you look at them, they've, they've definitely got one of those teams that, that looks great. It's one of those airport, all-airport teams. Looks fantastic. <laughs> and Evan Mobley is going to be you know, one of the top five or so picks in the NBA draft in all likelihood. Uh, but that's another team that's inconsistent, and it's very possible that they get bounced by Wichita State or Drake, let alone Kansas the next time out. You know, I think the best team in that league is probably Oregon. They won the regular season, uh, but having a, a matchup with Iowa potentially in the second round is a, is a tough, tough draw for the Ducks. 
Gonzaga obviously undefeated. How much of a burden do you think that carries? Because it's like with them, unless they win it all, even though they've been a really just a phenomenal program for so many years, it's like, yeah, well, see, I told you, they play in a lousy conference. They're really not that good. I don't know if it's so much a burden. I think the interesting thing, and we saw this in the WCC final, is it's not like they've been tested here for the last few months. You know, How do they react to suddenly being in trouble? And they reacted pretty well to BYU. They basically found their defense there in the second half of that game. I think, you know, the interesting element of their bracket. So, you know, you have Virginia, Iowa, Kansas as the other three teams in the top four seeds. And Gonzaga's already beaten all those teams. So does that make them feel better about their draw? Or is it a situation where those teams, and they could, they could run into as many as two of them, are those teams going to feel like they know what's coming, even if it's not something that you can deal with very easily, at least you have an idea what's coming. Uh, you know, to me, I, I do think Gonzaga is you know, one of the top two or three clear-cut teams in the field. If you're sitting there saying, are you going to take X number of teams in the field? I mean, the question kind of is Gonzaga and Illinois and maybe Baylor versus the field. But I, I think with three guys that are you know, popping up on all American teams, in Kispert and Timmy uh, and, and, uh, and Suggs with fantastic freshmen, uh, it, it is going to be a disappointment for sure if this team is not standing at least going into the Final Four. Uh, and I, I think pretty clearly the expectations in Spokane are to, are to snip the nets on the final night of the season. So, filling out your bracket, not one of your ten brackets, your bracket of integrity, your most important See, bracket. I don't, I don't fill out brackets. I found that it's better, to, better for me not to do that uh, in terms of being able to enjoy the tournament and cover it more effectively. Okay. But if you want some advice, I'm happy to give some. And that's exactly what I think our listeners want. Who should they put in their final four? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think I would go with Gonzaga out of the West. I think that's, that's the team to beat there. Uh, you know, the, the, the South is kind of the tricky bracket for me because I could see that thing getting blown up in any number of ways. Um, you know, I think Baylor could have problems, for example, with North Carolina in the second round. I think Arkansas... Uh, might have the clearest path, uh, and, and then produce kind of an interesting team, too. Uh, so if you put me on the spot, I'll, I'll give you Arkansas there, but I don't feel great about that regional at all. Uh, in the Midwest, I'll go ahead and give you Illinois. I think it's a possible Illinois-Oklahoma State Sweet 16 game. The Brad Underwood Bowl would be fantastic. Uh, and then in the East, you know, I think Michigan, without Isaiah Livers, is going to be vulnerable throughout. Uh, and I think that's a that's a bracket that they could get blown up in any way possible. I'll, I'll take Florida State there just because I look at Michigan, I look at Texas, I look at Alabama. Those are all teams that have very high you know, there's a very high risk reward element to them. Uh, a team that could create some problems in that bracket in particular is the seven seed Connecticut with James Booknight. They've just been a different team since he's gotten back and healthy, uh, and he's he could be the latest guard that carries UConn deep deep into the tournament. Have you heard any rumblings about all these coaching vacancies who might be interested? No, no, I'm not, I'm not much into the rumor mill, sorry. Steer clear of that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so if, uh, if you're looking, and, and maybe UConn is that team, if you're looking for the team that isn't seated that well, that can make deep run into the tournament, who are you looking at? Well, again, let's go region by region here. I think in the West, UC Santa Barbara is, it has been gifted kind of a spot there that 
is favorable. They get a Creighton team and a little bit of turmoil in the 5-12 game. Uh, you don't know whether Virginia is actually going to, you know, make it to the to the start starting line uh, right now. But Santa Barbara, uh, with Jacory McLaughlin, the Big West Player of the Year, uh, has lost only once since New Year's Day. A, a team is not hard to like. Um, you know, Winthrop, the 12 seed in the South, has only lost once. Chandler Vaudrin has three triple doubles. They draw Villanova, who's down at starting point guard in Colin Gillespie. I think they can win at least one game and, and maybe multiple games in that south bracket. Uh, in the Midwest, I think Syracuse, having slipped in, is really dangerous. They've been playing well. I mean, on paper, they're profiled. I don't think that they should have avoided a play-in game. I didn't even have them in, but I can understand the appeal to them. But subjectively, you know, they beat Clemson, they beat Carolina, uh, and they nearly beat Virginia all since the start of the month. And the last time that they barely avoided a play-in game was 2016. Uh, and they, with, a, with an assist from Middle Tennessee knocking off Michigan State, they ran all the way to the Final Four. Uh, and then in the East, if you want a team uh, that has a chance to, to do a little bit of damage, you know, it could be that Michigan State team if, if they can catch fire. I don't know if they, if they can achieve the consistency necessary uh, to pull that off. Uh, another team that I like, I don't know if they can beat Michigan in the second-round game, uh, but St. Bonaventure is really well coached, the Atlantic 10 champions. Uh, Kyle Lawson, the point guard, Oshuna Shuni, uh, the big man in the middle, uh, and Mark Schmidt, uh, really one of the underrated uh, sideline guys in the country. I, I think they have a chance uh, to, to really make a little bit of noise, uh, but they're probably going to have to take advantage of Isaiah Liver's absence from Michigan to make that happen. Patrick, I'll be honest. After you said UC Santa Barbara, I kind of blanked out. I am a gaucho, and we have one NCAA tournament win all time. I'll take two. I think you're gonna. Ha- I think come what is it Saturday? You're gonna have a second one to celebrate. Patrick Stevens, the Washington Post college sports guy. May he be right about the Gauchos. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me, All right, Patrick Stevens. You can read him in the Washington Post. There it is, PK. Put the Gauchos in your bracket. Make it happen. To you, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Grand Canyon, 15 seed. It could happen. If it does, I'll be happy for you. I have no interest. (laughs) You can't even fake it for radio? Come on, PK. (laughs) It would be cool for the program, for sure. But uh, I don't... (laughs) You're not living and dying with the Grand Canyon basketball. personal uh, satisfaction with in that regard. I've been in this business too long. But it certainly would be cool. I mean, the, they well, we love 15s beating twos, no matter who they are. That's always that's always exciting. It's a game you got to flip on if you see it's close. I think for Grand Canyon, though, uh, the the bigger story is they want more. They mm-hmm. want to get in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, right. You know, it's a religious based uh, conference, obviously. Uh, I think Pacific is not, but Pacific was established by the Methodists, if I remember correctly, whatever. But anyway, I think they would love to join the conference and. Uh, you know they don't feel the football program obviously and actually when you think about it it would be a decent fit and <clears throat> if I'm the West Coast Conference I seriously consider it because their basketball program is improving uh, they got Drew there to coach the team and uh, have that Phoenix market yeah smack dab the, in the in the the two I've read about are Grand city, yeah. yeah Grand Canyon and Seattle and there's good high school basketball players in, in both of those areas so uh, that makes sense I don't know if they want to go to twelve thing, but 
But to get to go down there and have that opportunity, uh, they would, in my mind, they would automatically be in the top half of the conference because they care. It matters. And that ought to get them over a lot of teams really yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just something that we have because we have it. It's they have it and they want to win. They want to win at the highest level, and this is their first opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. So that's a big story there. I saw a thing that uh, they listed uh, the top coaches, all the all well, all the coaches in the tournament. So sixty-eight, where they ranked, they ranked them according to their playing ability. <laughs> and Drew, who uh, you know hit that one that that shot, who was it against Mississippi State? That yeah, they had the kid you throw the ball, and then the kid yeah. just deflected it to Drew coming running down the right side. He hits that shot at the buzzer. So does the swan dive right? Yeah, yeah. I think he was in the top five because he did play a little bit in the NBA. I think they had Mark Pope at four, and then of course they have Patrick Ewing number one because he's a Hall of Fame player. And I don't think that there's any other player or a, a coach who was a Hall of Fame player. Uh, so Craig Smith didn't get a good run. He was way up in the sixties. I don't think he had a very uh, distinguished playing career, but so far he's had a distinguished coaching, coaching career. career. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Joe Ingles Show and Morgan Scally talking to the media for the youth. You'll hear him, Utah defensive coordinator, coming up at 9 o'clock. Joe Ingles coming up next. Stay with us.